Well, as Donna said, and I, uh, that we're starting a new series today called When I'm Afraid, and uh, she drew attention to the display that we have up here by these students, and actually these aren't all of the things that they put up, we, uh, about half of them or so, and I just thought, you know, it's kind of cool some of the things that we see here, rejection, feeling under pressure, not being good enough, bullied, drama, defeat, all kinds of things, uh, and I... Um, I know for some of you, your biggest fear is that you'll show up to church and we'll have run out of coffee and donuts, right? Uh, you know, I have, I have some fear. Um, for example, I have, a, I have some fear of heights, but my, my biggest, it's really the biggest fear is the fear of falling. And uh, I remember one time some years ago when our son lived in Seattle and I went out to go see him and and then over the weekend, uh, he said, let's go see a movie. So we went to the movie called World, World, World War Z. I didn't know that Z stood for zombie. <laughs> I had never seen a zombie movie before. And, you know, that was fine. I wasn't scared of the zombies. Well, what, the thing that, that really scared me was uh, there was a scene where there was an explosion in the plane, created a giant hole in the plane, and people were getting sucked out. The next morning, I was on a plane. And, and I, I, was, I was having to talk myself down from this irrational fear that, yeah, there's going to be a hole. I'm going to get sucked out of the plane. And I'm going, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. These pilots, they live their whole career on planes, and they live. They survive, you know. I think I will, too, for one plane ride. And so I was able to talk myself down, and, and uh, I was okay. Now, you'll notice that the students didn't put up things like zombies and getting sucked out of planes on here. They put on things that were kind of more day-to-day -day fears. And for me, that, one of that would, would probably fear failure. And that would be the thing that I would struggle with the most on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, and so my question is here, what would you put on that display? What, what word or phrase would you choose if you had to put up one uh, to be up there? So what's one of your fears? Uh, or maybe you deal with claustrophobia or germophobia or getting sucked out of airplanes. I don't know. Uh, and now, so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk, and I'm going to give you a minute to turn to a few people near you and share what yours might be. And if maybe you have a fear of sharing your fears with others. If that's the case, then you don't have to. Just feel free to just listen, and, you know, that'll be just fine. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give you a minute starting now. Turn and share. All right. Hey, you know, I just love watching you turn and interact with one another like this. You didn't know you were going to have a therapy session here today, did you? Okay. Uh, and our, our, we have a theme Bible verse for the rest of this month. It is Psalm 56, verse 3. It says, uh, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I like that because it's a prayer. And it's very simple and straightforward. So let's try it, shall we? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Now, before we go any further, I, I need to tell you something. And I don't know if this has happened to me in the seven and a half years that I've been your pastor here. But... Friday after I finished, you know, I've been kind of working and preparing for the message throughout the week. Friday at the end of the afternoon, I said, I, tomorrow morning i got to start over. This isn't it. And so I did. Saturday morning, I started over in, in a new direction. Um, 
And I even changed the title. Here it is. When I'm Afraid of Bullies. There you go. You know, when I was a kid, I don't think I got bullied very much, but I do remember I was about third grade, and there was one of my classmates at the country schoolhouse behind, behind the school during recess one day. He got me pinned down and was punching me. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember in eighth grade. This was probably more of an ongoing one. In eighth grade, I was in band, and after band class, I had to take a bus to another building. And uh, there was one of the high school guys in the bus that just kind of for several months made it his project to pick on me. You know, and, uh, you know, I would be his target. And so uh, I, I, I dreaded that five-minute bus ride every day. You know, I'm guessing we all have some story like that. Most of us. Anyone with power has the potential to be a bully, right? Anyone with power can misuse that power to bully others. You know, I've had so many, as a pastor, I've had so many awesome district superintendents over the years, just people of great character who are really there for me. And I've got another one right now, Chad Engelmeyer. Uh, he and I had lunch again this week. I just love that guy, and I think he's a great superintendent. But many years ago, I had one superintendent I wasn't so sure about. I was in his office one day, and he just kind of laid into me. He started yelling at me, and it really wasn't even over anything of substance. I think he just wanted me to be afraid of him because district superintendents do have a lot of power over pastors, and he wanted me to know it. I learned after his death, though, that uh, he had been in a, an advanced stage of alcohol, alcoholism, and I suspect that might have played a role in his rant that day. One thing I've decided from uh, listening to people over the years is that most companies are poorly run. Would you agree with that, any of you out there? Most companies, not all, most companies, and there are a lot of bad managers out there. Would you agree? Not that to any of you, but there are a lot of bad managers. Um, Maybe you have someone in your company in HR who, instead of being an advocate for you, uses her power to berate you and belittle you and intimidate you and punish you, and she seems to enjoy it. Or maybe you've got a client who uses the threat of, of yanking their account to try to get all kinds of special favors and has no respect for boundaries and seems to just really uh, get pleasure from demanding special privileges. Now, the guys I was walking out said, you know, I found more bullies in business than I ever did growing up in school. Uh, the Me Too movement is about exposing sexual harassment and sexual abuse in the workplace, which is a form of bullying by someone in power. Why have women kept silent for so long? Fear. They're afraid of retaliation. Afraid, they fear for their careers, their families, their reputations. Today, we're going to look at what Jesus told his disciples about facing bullies. And even if you're not a Christian, I think you're going to find some things here today that are valuable to you and what Jesus taught us. So, uh, let's open our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse, starting with verse 16. And there are Bibles right there in the pews. Uh, and you'll find it on page 975 there. I would also add this. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, 
of your own, just take this pew Bible home. You can have it. You can keep it. You'll think, well, where would I start reading? Well, today we're in this biography about Jesus written by Matthew. Just start there. That would be, a, that would be an awesome place to begin. In Matthew 10, uh, Jesus sends out his disciples to do all the kind of things that he's been doing. He, you know, he drives out impure spirits and he heals people of diseases like leprosy. And, and he sends them out with a message. Tell them that God's kingdom is coming. Now, you would think that everybody would love that, but not everybody does. Uh, so if you found Matthew chapter 10, go to verse 16. Jesus says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, that doesn't sound too good, does it? Uh, wolves, some people will attack you. They will terrorize you. Jesus sends his disciples into hostile territory, so he warns them to be watchful. Now, in the verses that follow, uh, which Brian didn't read, he, he tells them how, how bad it's going to be. People, are gonna, people who are close to you are going to betray you. Uh, you'll be put on trial. Your backs will be lashed with whips, which kind of means if you do what Jesus did, then you're going to get what Jesus got, right? Jesus says, I'm sending you out as sheep. Well, sheep don't attack back, do they? He said, don't turn into a wolf. Don't, don't be like them. If you are bullied, don't become a bully. But don't be stupid either. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That reminds me of the time uh, about a decade or so later when a guy named Saul, uh, he's on his way to Damascus and he, he, he sees a bright light and it knocks him down and, and he, he hears this voice and it's Jesus. And that's how Saul the wolf who hunted down Christians becomes one of Jesus' sheep. And then Saul, who later went by his Roman name, Paul, starts, he starts telling everybody in Damascus about Jesus. Well, that makes the people in power pretty angry. They don't want them, they don't want them to hear all this. So they hatch a plan. Uh, they're they're going to take shifts at the city gates. So as soon as he tries to leave town, they're going to jump him and kill him. Meanwhile, Saul's sisters and brothers in Christ they are as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. One night, they put him in a large basket and they lower him down through a window in the city wall. And that's how he escapes. Verse 23, Jesus tells his disciples, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. And that's what Saul does. He's persecuted in Damascus, so he flees to Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying, when, when bullies attack you, get out of there. You don't have to stick around. Be innocent as a dove of peace and as shrewd as a snake, which means you'd probably rather slip away than get in a fight. Now, let's go to verse 26. 26. Jesus says something really big here. He says, so do not be afraid of them. And one thing we're going to come back to again every Sunday in this series uh, is that what Jesus commands, he empowers. You got that? 
what Jesus commands, he also empowers. When he tells us not to be afraid, he empowers us to not be afraid. So he says, do not be afraid of them. Well, are these people capable of hurting you? Yeah. They're going to betray you and threaten you and abuse you, but do not be afraid of them. Fear gives bullies more power. Don't give it to them. So today I've got one big idea, but I'm going to give it to you in stages. And here's the first part. When you're bullied, refuse to fall victim to fear. Fearing them only makes it worse. Let's say it together, shall we? When you're bullied, refuse to fall victim to fear. Jesus says, so, so don't be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And so what he's saying is that God, God knows what's happening. God sees what's going on, and he's going to deal with it. And there's going to be justice either in this life or someday on the day of judgment. God's going to do that. That's God's job. Let him do it. Trust him to do it. And because you refuse to fall victim to fear, he says this in verse 27, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. He's saying, stand tall. Speak up. Don't let them intimidate you. Don't let them silence you. Let the truth ring out. Verse 28, Jesus says it again, to not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Now, a bully can make your life miserable. I will grant you that. A bully can get you fired from your job. A bully can make you hate going to school. A bully can turn your friends against you. Arguably, the worst they can do is kill you, and that's pretty bad. <laughs> but they cannot kill your soul. Your, your soul is your inner being, okay? It's, it's the you that's really you. It's, it's the you that has faith. It's the you that hopes in God. So let's add a little extra on to our big idea. Let's say this together, shall we? When you're bullied, refuse to fall victim to fear. Stand tall and speak up. Not only that, Jesus has already said this radical thing about loving your enemies. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you love them, you are no longer the victim. Isn't that right? When you love them, you are no longer playing the victim. And if, you, and if you find yourself, you just can't bring yourself to love them, then pray for them until you can love them. And then Jesus says this, Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I need to explain a little bit here because I think it's kind of, that's a little hard for us to hear. Um, in the, in the Bible, part of a healthy, loving uh, relationship with God is to fear the Lord. Now, that that's, seems odd to us because we think, well, if God really loves you, then there's nothing to fear. And that, that, to a degree, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but when the Bible says to fear God, it means to respect God and to honor God with everything in our lives. Here's, here's one way to look at it. Small children who know that they are deeply loved by their parents, still have some 
innate fear of these authoritarian big people in their lives. Now, these, these parents are not bullies. And yet, the children learn to fear the consequences these parents can and must enforce. That's the kind of respectful, loving fear of God that I think Jesus is talking about. Notice also that Jesus balances one sentence about fearing God with four sentences about how much God cares for you. He starts talking about sparrows. Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? My question is, who'd want to buy a sparrow? Let alone two of them. You know, back then, sparrows did sell two for a penny. uh, Hardly worth a thing. But Jesus says, they are important to their creator. He says, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. A sparrow may fall and die, but remains in the father's eye. I made up that rhyme, by the way. A sparrow may fall and die, but remains in the father's eye. And then in verse 30, Jesus talks about you. Not sparrows, about you. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God is infinitely acquainted with every part of your life, every aspect of your life, every situation you go through. Nothing escapes his attention. Now, in this verse, Jesus may be referencing Psalm 40 that connects the numbers of hairs on your head with the number of troubles in your life. Some people have more than others, have you noticed? Uh, Both hairs and troubles are impossible for us to count, but God tracks both. So here's the big idea, last version of it. Let's join together, shall we? When you're bullied, refuse to fall victim to fear, stand tall and speak up because God watches over you. Wednesday was the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. A lot of you saw that in the media this week. I reread his famous letter from the Birmingham jail, um, which was written to the white clergy of the city uh, who really didn't care much for him and who considered him an outside agitator. I was struck again by how, how prophetic and scholarly and respectful that letter is. It's just amazing. One of the complaints from the clergy of Birmingham was that this was not the right time for demonstration. This was not the right, the timing isn't right for demonstration. And so he responded. Now, the letter to Birmingham Jail is, is, is a long letter. I mean, typed out 18 to 20 pages. So I'm just going to share a little excerpt from you, for you. He said, I guess it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging facts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, 
When you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, brutalize, and even kill your black brothers and sisters with impunity, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your, your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television, and see tears welling up in her little eyes when she told, is told that Funtown is closed to colored children, and see the depressing clouds of inferiority begin to form in her little mental sky and begin to see her distort her little personality un by unconsciously developing a bitterness toward white people. When you have to concoct an answer for your five-year-old son asking in agonizing pathos, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your car because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day after day by, by nagging signs that read, White and colored, when you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect, and plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you are fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. What King so vividly illustrated could be called brutal race-based bullying on a systemic level. His voice rallied black Americans to stand tall and stand together and not fall victim to fear. His voice awakened the conscience of white Americans to be disgusted at such bullying and to stand with their black sisters and brothers. King said, we will win our freedom because the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands. When you're bullied, refuse to fall victim to fear, stand tall, and speak up because God watches over you. In verse 31, Jesus says the third time to not be afraid. He says, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Don't be afraid, though he sends you out as sheep among wolves. Don't be afraid because one day you will be vindicated and justice will be done. Don't be afraid, because though they kill your body, they cannot kill your soul. Don't be afraid, because the one who watches the sparrow also watches over you. And if you find yourself rarely bullied, rarely if ever bullied, then as a Christ follower, you must stand with those who are. You must speak up 
for those who are. You must stand with those who are. Let them know they are not alone. Jesus sends you out as sheep among wolves. But do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we confess that the, we don't even want to think about this stuff. And yet, Jesus, we're, it's just kind of shocking to us that you say you're sending us out as sheep among wolves, and we don't want that. Oh, Lord, we ask that you will give us this inner fortitude that, that fights against the, the forces of fear that only makes the bully stronger. Lord, give us this, this inner faith and confidence to know that when, when we are following you and that when we are true to you, that's where we need to be, regardless of the consequences, and that somehow, Lord, you're going to use our witness to turn hearts, that you're going to even use our suffering for your redemptive good. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you will give us this vision, this heart, this faith, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.